on this episode of the Fifth Day State Podcast, talk a little bit more about the Dobbs decision, which overturned uh, Roe and Casey uh, in the US. Um, talk about, oh, ask a question, is Sally Mack aiming for a gig on the in the Reserve Bank? And a couple of other things, time permitting. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Australia, the world, wherever you are listening. Uh, my name is Cameron Blewett and I am the host of this, the wonderful Fifth Estate podcast. Uh, what are we up to now? Uh, episode 51. Uh, as I said at the intro, today we're going to be talking a little bit about Roe v. Wade, though I'll get to that one a bit later on. Uh, more about the uh, responses and, and the, the rubbish that is coming out here. Uh, in Australia where people don't quite understand uh, what they're talking about and the uh, what it means. But anyway, uh, first cap off the rank, uh, I thought I might uh, talk a bit about Sally McManus. Uh, I think she's aiming for a gig on the Reserve Bank. Now, for those who don't know, Sally McManus is the secretary of the ACTU, which means that she doesn't really have a job. Uh, she's just paid by the unions who are pay, you know, who get their money from members. So uh, she's supposedly the, the secretary of the governing body of trade unions in Australia. Uh, she's been in the gig for about five and a bit years. Um, so she's probably thinking it's time to move on. Uh, hasn't been able to achieve that much. So you know, you, you could essentially say that with regards to unionism, uh, it's been a bit of a, uh, um, uh, neutral, negative, pointless gig, uh, though, but hey man, uh, for, for those on the authoritarian left, uh, you know, it's, it's the pinnacle of all that, uh, so we've had the elections, uh, I don't think she's going to wait for, uh, what, three years for another federal election before she gets uh, parachuted into some safe seat somewhere. So I have a feeling that she's going to aim for a gig uh, on the Reserve Bank board. Uh, she has mentioned about the Reserve Bank uh, having their decision, uh, you know, for, uh, with an input from the workers and, and all that sort of rubbish. Now, uh, I think the Reserve Bank is a useless organisation um, and especially with the review coming up now that is coming out this year, uh, the uh, Albanese's treasurer, Jim Chambers, Chalmers, uh, what's his name? I don't even know who these Pollocks are. Um, uh, Jim Chalmers. Uh, so he's the treasurer now. Uh, he said he's open to having a union person on, on the board. Uh, though if we do get a union person on board, what does that mean? Does that mean that the Reserve Bank is going to, uh, you know, head down the ESG path and is going to be pushing in 
uh, it's you know bringing out its, its central bank digital currency, which is a central bank digital voucher system because it's not a currency. Uh, I've discussed that in uh, previous episodes. So, or are they going to be, you know, heading more to the, uh, you know, the the great reset side of things? Uh, so, we'll have to wait and see. But I, for the Reserve Bank, I'm just, I don't think that there should be anyone uh, union related on it. It should stay a an organisation that is there to, uh, you know, keep inflation down and uh, improve the monetary policy of the country. So, you know, you, you get a union person on board and who knows how bad it's going to go. I mean, we've seen how uh, the Fair Work Commission has gone skew with, uh, you know, despite claims that the uh, commission has been stacked by uh, business people, mate, that's still headed by Ian Ross. Uh, he can decide who gets what cases and goes into what area and all that sort of stuff, doesn't matter. You know, you get some spiffy title as a DP or a senior DP or whatever it is. Um, you know, Ross still decides uh, where you go. You know, what what cases you get assigned. So, uh, in in that respect, it's still uh, still heavy uh, union focused uh, for that. So, uh, you know, I, I do have a feeling that she's going to aim for it. Um, she says she's happy in her job where she is. Uh, but, mate, as I said, she's been in there for a while, um, five and a bit years, as I said before, so maybe it's time for her to move on, uh, get some fresh blood into the sale organisation, which um, you've got to be a devout Marxist or a borderline fascist to get anywhere in that organisation anyway. So um, I don't know if fresh blood is the, um, the, the right thing to say. Uh, but anyway... Uh, so we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Uh, what else is there? Ah, Dan's um, Stanman Andrews, our supreme leader in the uh, fascistic state of Victoria, has uh, created his own super spreader event with uh, three, or some say three, some say you know four members of, of his new ministry uh, have come down with the woo flu now. You know what, we thought this, you know, what Dan was saying that this was the pandemic of the unvaccinated and yet, you know what, all the members of, all the ministers have got it. Uh, it's also very concerning that we've had uh, four health ministers in four years uh, and the health system is still FUBAR. Uh, there's reports of uh, the ambulance service called a code red last night uh, there's likely to be another one tonight because it's uh, going to be a bit of a chilly night here in Victoria. And yet, you know, Supreme Leader Andrews is not doing anything about it. He's just throwing money at every other place that he can think of, which, hey, it's not his money, so, you know, let's just throw it around. Um, who cares if the state's broke? Who cares if the state doesn't have enough income uh, to pay the bills? He can always borrow more off his good buddy Xi Jinping, uh, and sign us up to the Belton Road again, which, you know, with uh, Albanese, who's our, uh, what are they, um, oh, there, there's a, a thing, he, he's, over the last, he's, he's been more time overseas than he has been in this country as uh, Prime Minister. So um, I think Parliament sits this week, so he may come back for that. But hey, who knows? 
Uh, so, yeah, so, you know, it's likely that uh, Albanese will tear up the uh, legislation that prohibited or, or gave the Morrison government the ability to um, override the states signing up to China's Belt and Road and, and other initiatives. Oh, so we'll just have to wait and see how long that takes and, you know, how quickly uh, Dan can send people over to China and those places to get on board with what's happening there and, uh, you know, get some money from someone else. Um, so, yeah, now, the, the bit that, you know, we do want to talk a bit more about and that is the... Um, I don't know, is it gaslighting that's um, out there? I think, no, because I think these people are just, they're evil. Um, trying to, to, to get uh, people agitated onto things that aren't, um, that, that don't make sense and aren't, um, aren't factually there now in particular. So we're going to talk about this this Dobbs decision, uh, which was Roe v... which turned over Roe v Wade. Uh, now, it is available online uh, as a PDF, I think, from the Supreme Court itself. Now, it's a 213-page document. Uh, it is... An interesting one to to read. I've only got part way through it uh, for for that. So yeah, as I said, it is it is an interesting one to read. Uh, for those in Australia, a lot of it may not make sense, uh, especially if you're not familiar with uh, the U.S. Constitution, uh, how uh, that goes, and um, you know how, how how the laws are done and all that sort of stuff in the U.S. Which it seems that a lot of people on Twitter and other forms of social media are not, and this is coming more from the authoritarian left. Now, uh, there's a tweet here by Dr. Kate Fitzgibbon. Uh, the overturning of Roe v. Wade and the right to choose is a form of violence against women. To prevent violence against women and retain our right to bodily autonomy, we must continue to stand for safe, accessible and affordable reproductive health care. Now, There's, had you even begin to discuss something like that, um, for a start, it's not a form of violence against women. What it did was uh, brought the uh, legislative power back to the states. So the same as what it applies out here in Australia, instead of claiming erroneously that it was um, uh, protected by the, the US Constitution, which it wasn't, so that was a false argument that managed to survive for 50 years. Uh, it, you know, that legislative power is being handed back to the states. Now, yes, there are some states that will outlaw it, which I totally outlaw it. I think that's three. Uh, there are some that will put limits on what can and can't be done. Uh, and there are will be a number of states that will just have open season. So I think uh, California's gone right up until birth but then there's also a bill going through that removes the requirement for the coroner 
to state the cause of death on a um, on a on a newborn infant. Um, how how long after birth that applies? I I can't remember because I, I did read sections of that uh, that house bill. I think it was house bill. I'm not sure what number it is. I'll try and dig it up. Uh, that was that. So it wasn't actually allowing it um, up, you know, after birth. What it was doing was removing the requirement for the coroner to investigate it and state uh, as a reason for, you know, what their reason, their view of the reason why the, uh, the, the infant child died. So, you know, but that being said, uh, there's nothing to say that they're not going to, you know, go whole hog now uh, that the decision's been handed down. So, yeah, so, you know, it, it's not violence against women. Um, it's, you know, yeah, it, it is. It isn't. It's, um, you know, removing the um, authority from the Commonwealth and taking it back to the States. Now, also concerned about that, as I've said before, uh, their right to bodily autonomy. Well, for the last two years, these people have been denying that right to that. So you've had to participate in this therapeutic trial. You haven't had a choice. So that's denying your right to bodily autonomy there. And now all of a sudden they are uh, saying, oh, no, we need bodily autonomy. Um, so, but then also coincidentally, they're not looking at uh, other things to reduce violence towards women and, uh, you know, in particular from the US perspective, you know, that's the Second Amendment because, uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's the thing, you know, that evens the playing field, um, having the ability to use lethal force or, or even, you know, non-lethal force. There's um, uh, particular you know, tasers and all that sort of stuff that are available out there. Uh, there's little pepper ball guns uh, that I've seen uh, advertised by, by different people. They're out there and yet they don't want that. So it's not that they're concerned about violence against women. It's that they're just using this as a way to divide us and to distract us from what they're trying to do. Uh, so, yes, now this is the thing now. Also, continuing on that one, you know, stand um, for safe, accessible, and affordable reproductive healthcare. But then, uh, Unions Australia was it Unions Australia? Um, no, Victorian Union Women, um, authorised by Luke Hilakari, who's the uh, Secretary of the Trades Hall Council. Uh, has said, um, standing in solidarity with abortion right protesters, defend the right to abortion for any and all women and trans people who want it. Abortion must be safe, must be free, safe, legal and on demand. So this is the thing. How did we go from safe, legal and rare to free, safe, legal and on demand? Um, so it's the thing, you know, it's hard to, to not say, well, this is what we told you was going to happen. Now you're saying, no, it's not, but then it's being used as a form of contraception uh, and that's not what should happen. And I, I think that, that it was because of that that the um, decision was overturned 
in the Supreme Court. I think if they hadn't have gone that far, uh, if they had have kept it uh, safe, legal, and rare, uh, it may not have been overturned. But then you know, you know who's who's to say it wouldn't it wouldn't have come out anyway. Um, still, you know, it was an erroneous decision right from the start because there's no constitutional protection for it, uh, and yet. They're saying that it is even the right to privacy. Well, they've denied everyone their right to privacy for the last two years by uh, having the, the demand to hand over their, their jab papers uh, for that. Uh, so, yeah, but, you know, this is it, – it's an interesting thing. Um, people in Australia don't really have any idea of what's going on anywhere in the world. Happy to pick on uh, those – organizations or, or those uh, countries and states and all that sort of stuff that are seen to be uh, doing the wrong thing and yet they're not talking about the therapeutics trial that I mean you know how many um, lives have been lost because of that uh, and, and and all that sort of stuff so yeah it's it's one of these these big things that, You've got no idea what the authoritarian left want, um, apart from anything that they say when the you know whichever way the wind's blowing. Uh, unfortunately, there's been uh, two cases, you know, because this is the, the time that the US Supreme Court hands down the decisions. So there was that Second Amendment case uh, that uh, overruled the laws of New York, where they didn't have to uh, people who wanted to have a um, handgun, from what I understand of that case, and I can't quite remember the name of that one, is that they had to go and, and plead their case to some, you know, either the commissioner or um, someone in, in New York and then they'd essentially turn around and say, well, no, you haven't satisfied the requirements of, ha- you know, of having to have one. So it was taken all the way up to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court turned around and said, no, the Second Amendment says... You've got the right to keep and bear arms and that, those rights shall not be infringed. So that overrules the uh, New York law, uh, which, you know, obviously that. But then Roe v. Wade has been overturned uh, and they're saying that, uh, you know, firearms have more rights than, than women's bodies, uh, which is not true. Um, the individual having the firearm has the rights, not the firearm itself. Uh, and which now, now that brings me into a little tweet by the pirate. Now he's um, put one up of a uh, little bit of a protest that says pro-life for the little baby there and then up to a point which is a picture of what looks like to be some sort of semi-automatic rifle. Now... What they fail to understand, people like the pirate who are just pushing little cartoons and memes and, and things like that, knowing that their sycophantic uh, followers on social media will just parrot the same stuff and keep tweeting it and keep tweeting it and keep re- keep retweeting it, is that uh, the you know the use of a firearm is protected. In, in the US, so whether you use it for self-defence or whether you use it for whatever reason or just because you don't want to use it, you just want to have one. Um, so it's that, you know, 
having the, 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 the Second Amendment there is as equally pro-life as having the, um, you know, the, the, the Dobbs decision because it's, yeah, it, 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 it's just, yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I'm not going to continue on that one too much. It's just, yeah, they, these people have no idea. They're just parroting stuff and, and you know, retweeting stuff that they know nothing about. Now, also, speaking of, of Second Amendment, uh, there was something that came out on Nine News yesterday about a uh, intruder uh, armed. He had a handgun. Uh, where was it? A, an apartment complex, a new, relatively new one in West Footscray, uh, has gone after and pointed it at uh, two occupants of a vehicle there, and that they crashed the vehicle and then you know drove through the um, security door to, to get away from this individual. Now, the thing interesting about that is that was nearly that was eleven days ago, and we're only hearing about it yesterday. But then also by the other thing is that. You know, isn't that the reason? I mean, have a look at all the home invasions that are increasingly becoming known or that we're, we're finding out about now. Uh, so, you know, what are we going to do to protect our families? You know, what is it? There's no use calling the police because they will arrive way too late. They'll arrive after the fact. Um, so they're there to usually clean up whatever mess has been made. So, but you need to stop these individuals making the mess in the first place. And... You know, it's the thing. It may come to it that the only thing to do is to have a firearm, an accessible, usable firearm. Um, you know, who knows? Um, but, you know, it's something that I think we should be considering, especially, uh, you know, now that uh, the Andrews regime is, you know, putting their uh, law and order resources into other areas, uh, more about... Um, unconstitutionally uh, creating a uh, militarised police force or service or whatever the, they want to call it now. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's a thing, you know. There's There's got to be a point where the people of Victoria and even the people of Australia in general in, in all the respective states turn around and say, well, no, we know you people aren't going to come and protect us. You're only there, you come there after the fact. You're not doing that much to deter crime because, you know, look at the response that the, uh, you know, protests, anti-lockdown protests received compared to the um, BLM protests and all that sort of stuff of uh, earlier on. Uh, you know, the, so, you know, the, the relatively senior... Sworn officers of Victoria Police took a knee for him and, and went on that. And then um, uh, Cornelius, whatever his name is, he's an assistant commissioner or something like that, um, turned around and said that the, uh, what, quote, freedom protesters uh, were tinfoil hat wearing or tinfoil hat brigade or something like that. So, you know, it, it just shows you the, the contempt that the politicised and militarised um, enforcement arm of the state have for us. They're not interested in upholding the right anymore, uh, which is their motto. Uh, they're just there to protect the interests of the state. And, you know, you being secure in your home is not one of those interests of the state. Um, so, yes, it, you know, what will it take for, for people to, to wake up? I mean, you have to look at the health system. Uh, 
you know, if the state was interested in having a functioning health system, would we have got to the crisis we are in now? No, we wouldn't have. We would have had those 4,000 ICU beds that were promised to us. Yes, it was April 1st last year, though it was still a thing. It was put out as an official press release and there was no April Fool's disclaimer or anything like that afterwards or no, hey, it was a joke. Uh, so, yeah, you know, where are those beds going? Uh, but, hey, you know what, that's all right, it doesn't matter. The Andrews regime is moving, removing level crossings. So, yep, that's it. Um, so, yeah, it just, I think it shows you how, how bizarre things are in Victoria. Oh, also, um, the census results have come out that uh, the popu- Victoria's population fell by th- thousands in 2021, the only state or territory to record a decrease. New report says, oh, do, 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 do. As of December 31, 2021, Victoria had 6.55 million people, 3,500 fewer over a year, according to ABS report, National State and Territory Populations. Um, By comparison, Queensland gained 73,700. WA, for some reason, increased by 30,500. New South Wales by 11,200. South Wales by 9,600. Tasmania, 4,300. ACTU by 1,900. And NT by 200. Victoria lost nearly 20,000 residents to other states uh, while there were 9,500 people more leaving to live overseas and settling here. Um, Shout out Treasurer David Davis said people were leaving Victoria because of higher taxes and claimed waste and mismanagement played a role. Uh, This is coming off an article in the Herald Sun. Um, But I tell you what, if Supreme Leader Andrews uh, continues his regime uh, come November, I think there will be a lot more people moving overseas uh, because essentially Australia will be screwed. Um, so, I mean, with, with incompetent Albanese uh, in power or in charge, or if he's in charge, uh, I think he's just a, another Biden where someone else is pulling the strings and he just goes and, and does what he's told. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, yeah, it, we're going to be screwed. Um, the Great Reset is going to be coming in so quick. Uh, I think your head's going to spin. Uh, and, yeah, it's it's just not going to be a good place out here. Um, so if you can, I'd be looking at, at moving Um you know, not long after the election, if you're able to. If you're not, um, start preparing. And and you know, and this is the other thing too, is that you know, all the um, recession that we're going we're going to be have having, uh, you know, and this isn't the, the Keating the recession we had to have. This is the recession that the government has caused. Um, it it's you know it is solely caused by shutting down the economy, regardless of what happens overseas. Uh, if we hadn't have shut down our economy and this is, you know, the, the different regimes literally turning around and saying half the population weren't essential workers so they had to stay home and then get money off the government, uh, you know, if they hadn't have done that, then, you know, would we be in as bad a situation as we are in? No, I don't think we would uh, because there would still be money flowing in the economy from production 
there wouldn't be government money flowing into the economy, which is what creates inflation. And despite what Sally McManus says, because she's got no fucking idea about anything, and which is why she shouldn't be on the Reserve Bank, uh, Reserve Bank Board, because, I mean, just going back to that, can you imagine what she'd be like on the Reserve Bank, on the board of the Reserve Bank, if she uses the same logic that she's going to um, to economics as what she did to the Sydney floods? I, I think, you know, that's it. We may as well just fold up and, and, and just say, yep, here we go. Let's just, you know, give inflation is going to be 200% and who knows what. Because remember, at the time of the floods, she turned around and put in Twitter, why can't Sydney water, you know, Stop billing and just get everyone to turn their taps on because that would get the water in the dams down. Um, so, yes, you can imagine that logic at a reserve board, reserve bank board meeting. Um, so, yes. But anyway, going back to that, you know, um, one of the, the, the big talking points of the um, quote-unquote union movement is that company profits are up 20% and wages are only up whatever or, or down in real-world terms. Well, Big business profits, maybe, though majority of the people are employed by small to medium enterprises. Though I think in labour states, I think the government's a bigger employee than what business is. Uh, yes, you know, big business is in a better position to handle um, uh, any increase in wages, though. Small, medium businesses are not. Uh, so to turn around and say that, that com- company profits are what is creating in- creating inflation shows that Sally McManus has no idea what inflation is, how it's caused, uh, what leads to it and how it's caused by. So have a look, inflation. Basically it comes down to uh, too much money for too few goods. So if there's more money floating around because of government stimulus packages, um, increase in whatever it is and all that sort of stuff. So people aren't making it, making the goods, as what happened with the lockdowns uh, and the essential slash non-essential workers. So there's not as many goods being made, though the government's still handing out money, so there's still the money in the economy. So there's more money chasing fewer goods. Then that put the prices up, which in turn uh, has that, that domino effect with everything else. And then you combine that with our own uh, incompetence with managing fuel prices, then, you know, everything's transported by some sort of diesel fuel. Uh, Diesel fuel goes up and then the cost of goods goes up and then it just goes on from there. So there's the uh, delays in the port, getting the goods there, which creates a delay there and the backlog there. There's just a whole lot of factors that do increase it and every single one of them is the government's doing. It, you know, basically, it is, it's is—it's the responsibility or the fault of the governments that we're in the position that we're in now. Um, blaming Putin and what's happening over in Ukraine and Russia and all that sort of stuff is um, dis- disingenuous. Um, <coughs> oh, sorry. Um, it, it, you know, it, it's down outright deceptive. Uh, because it's not that. It's, as I've said, you know, too much money in the economy because of people sitting at home doing nothing. They've got all this money to spend uh, and and things like that. So that pushes interest rates up. So when interest rates goes up, it's just that, that big domino effect. Interest rates are there to uh, 
decrease spending and suck more money in, um, you know, suck more money out of the economy, uh, which is, you know, giving fewer goods there to people. But then with wages increasing as well, then that impact is, is going to increase is going to be passed on through uh, small and medium manufacturers when they supply to the bigger companies and the bigger businesses it's going to be, you know, that, that flow and effect there. Bigger business is able to, especially, you know, like your Woolies and your Coles and all that sort of stuff because they can spread the increases out over a number of products. But if, you know, if your business only makes three widgets or three types of, you know, three SKUs uh, that, that get sold into Woolies, then you've got to put those prices up per unit. So, you know, that increase your unit price to Woolies. Woolies may, you know, turn around and say, hey, you know, our home, as they've done, uh, our home brand ones, we're going to keep the price low. You know, they're, they're, the the cost of those goods has probably increased, but they're passing that increase on on other products and bumping those other products. You know, those other products might have to get, all the other ones that they sell might only go, you know, one or two cents. Though it's enough to cover the whatever the uh, supply increases. So. You know, for, for Sally McManus to turn around and say, you know, it's because of company profits. And, and this is the other thing. With company profits, it's a company profit. So the money's there. The money's not in the economy. It's just sitting in the bank account of, of the companies uh, for that. So then they'd either use that for capital investment or paying down loans or whatever it is. So it's not essentially the money in the, in you know, in the economy, uh, whereas the government stimulus packages, et cetera, et cetera, and even... Uh, increase in wages is what is going to cause inflation. Now, if you really want to get inflation down, reduce cost of living. Uh, you know, don't worry about trying to get wages, um, increase wages and all that, which just creates that, that never-ending spiral where wages go up, then cost of goods have to go up, which is into the, the pay increase, which will cause uh, increase in interest rates, which means that the next time around wages are going to go up and that, that never-ending spiral Start reducing cost of living, and we can quite easily do that with nuclear power. Um, you know what? Yep, might take a couple of years to to bring it online. In that time, you know, why doesn't the government just turn around and, and forego some of their taxes um, and all that sort of stuff? But you know, as I said, there are things to do. Probably a little bit outside of the scope of this episode of the podcast at the moment, so uh, I might leave that one for another time um what else have we got um oh yes oh yes uh one thing that i want to mention is that there's um it's called you know the, the whole um slippery slope thing uh fallacy uh, when, you know, turned around and said, uh, you know, that they're coming for our children um, with this um, rainbow ideology. Uh, it's, you know, they, they turn around and say, oh, you know, that's not, that's not happening and it, we're not doing this and, and this is just this. Well, you know what, think about it. Do kids really need to have drag time story hour? Um, you know, and, and pushing some propaganda story I like what's inspired me by that one is um the 
the good old Andy Medic um, published, uh, put on Facebook. He went to, um, what was it, a Pride event, uh, Surf Coast, um, wherever that is, that's a long way. And there was obviously Drag Queen Story Hour. So there's... What's this person's name? Frock Hudson. Um, got a bit of a growth, you know, three-day growth there. Uh, reading, I don't know what the book is, uh, but it's obviously a propaganda book. Now, is that needed? I don't think that's needed for our children. Um, we need to protect our children um, as much as we can. Uh, we need to keep this crap away from them because, you know, it's it's any wonder that, um, you know, our children are being confused. And oh, I ended up watching, uh, you know, watching again uh, the the What Is a Woman documentary from um, the Daily Wire, uh, the Matt Walsh one, and. It is. It is very. It, it is depressing, um, especially when they talk about the um, transgender person, um, and the the pain and what they're going through, um, all because of of the the rush that the medical fraternity is having on on. Doing these these medical things to children, um, and 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 yeah, and and this is what it is: is that they're indoctrinating our children, and it's it, it's not something that we should be standing for. It's something that that we do need to be turning around and and you know putting our our hands up and saying no, stop, that's enough, you know. Leave that shit to university. Leave that, you know, when you're 18, do whatever you want. Colour your hair purple, colour your hair blue, green, orange, I don't care. Call yourself a tree, call yourself whatever it is. Leave our kids out of it. Um, and, yeah, for for despicable politicians like Mr Medic uh, to promote that stuff and to have the position that he's having... Um, and to even uh, promote events like that on his social media page is is very concerning. Um, but yeah, it, it's the thing. I think there's going to be um, a big. I'm hoping there's going to be a big pushback. Uh, that you know, there, there'll be a time where you know we'll say enough is enough, and that this this rubbish needs to end. Uh, if we don't, uh, I, I, I think we're going to lose quite a number of of children uh, to to mental health issues that are being inflicted upon them uh, by the state through indoctrination processes through school or through uh, corruption and all this crap that's going out on social media. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, 
it's something that, that we do need to look at and say yeah, enough's enough. Um, so, yeah, and, and this is only the beginning. I mean, we've seen what's happened overseas. Uh, I think it was Dallas with their uh, pride parades um, about, you know, kids going to um, drag shows and strip clubs and, uh, and and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it, it's the thing. We, we need to start paying attention now. We need to turn around and say, no, enough's enough. Yes, you've had your fun. You've probably corrupted a generation, but now, hey, it's time that we took our values back and that, you know what, if anyone's going to be talking to children about pronouns or rainbow flags or anything like that, it's going to be the parents. It's not going to be the state. The state needs to, to, to get out of it. And the more that we rely on or allow the state or remain silent to the state doing things like that, the harder it's going to be to uh, get back to how things should be, which is, you know, the, the, you know, the, the state just stays out of our lives. Um, so, yeah, anyway, um, why continue on, on that soapbox rant anymore? Um, I know it's a bit of a sombre note to end this episode on. Um, it, you know, it is, it is something that we do need to be, be looking at further um, and I will be making more comments about it. I've just got some more policies and all that sort of stuff that I need to hunt down uh, from the Department of Education um, and and all that sort of stuff and then just, just talk about it from there. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah, get prepared for it uh, some more in incoming episodes. Anyway, uh, as I said, Apologies about it being a bit of a somber note to end the podcast on, but I will do that. I'm going to end it now. Um, there, there's more to come on it, so I might dedicate its own episode. Uh, but that being said, uh, if you like this podcast, you don't like this podcast, uh, you think someone may like it, you think someone may not like it, please share it around. Uh, I do request that you head on over to wherever you get your podcast from, leave the customary five-star review Leave a couple of comments and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it helps other people find it. it helps me uh, get an idea of what you guys want to hear, uh, whether I'm on the right track um, and, and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, you can also send me an email through the, the contact page, contact form on the Fifth Estate website, which is the fifth, as T-H-E, F-I-F-T-H dot estate uh, and all that sort of stuff. So anyway, uh, thank you for listening and I look forward to having you join me on the next one. So until then, bye for now.